Welcome to a parenting space actually designed for you, where you can get answers about navigating a life that includes autism. I'm Dr. Tay, and today I have a mini episode just for you. All right, y'all, we are back. This episode today is all about the two components that your child needs, and I emphasize needs, in order to effectively benefit from intervention. And these are things that are often not talked about in the different intervention modalities that your child is doing. They might just naturally be happening and you might not even realize it, which is so amazing. But the challenge becomes what happens when they're not happening? So what am I talking about? I am talking about you need two things. You need regulation and you need engagement. So this episode was actually inspired by the Sensory SLP on Instagram. Her name's Jessie Ginsburg, and she was talking about speech-language pathologists and their training and how they're taught to go straight into the intervention of working with speech and language. And I loved, she had a reel, and I can't seem to find it again, but a step stair diagram of, you know, how it's like starting at step three and what you're really missing is regulation and engagement and how we need to be working with those two components before we're ever trying to teach any skills per se. So this is something in my work that I do all the time, and I thought I would break it down for you so that you can start incorporating this into your child's everyday activities, even when you're practicing things at home and paying attention and asking your child's therapy team, are these things that you are seeing from them? And I think a lot of times the way clinicians were trained is these weren't really enforced. Again, they happened great. And maybe if they weren't happening, it's like, how do you troubleshoot that? But really what the purpose of this is to say these should be at the forefront. So let's start with regulation. So if your child is dysregulated immediately, I've talked about this before, logic goes out the window, you know, they're not going to take information in. It's also going to be much harder for them to be in the present moment. Also, they might be thinking about things like escape. Now, dysregulation can occur in many different forms. One way is the classic tantrum or meltdown. If your child's screaming, I don't care what skill you're teaching, they are not taking it in. Because again, logic's gone out the window, their ability to comprehend's gone out the window, and our bodies aren't meant to learn in dysregulated states. So that's one form of dysregulation. We also can see more this like overactivity in terms of dysregulation. This might look like a child that's bouncing off the walls, that has a lot of energy, or that is even really silly at times. And so again, the inclination is try to be like, okay, knock that off. But actually what we might need to be doing is leaning into that to help them get that energy out to regulate themselves. Another form of dysregulation we don't often talk about, but is under-regulation, is having too low of energy. And this is also not optimal for learning. We really want this sweet spot of some kind of what we'd call physiological arousal. Your nervous system is more alert and able to take in information. We don't want too much and we don't want too little. And so the first two examples of being like dysregulated in the form of like negative emotions and then the other way of positive emotions, having too much of both of those isn't effective. But also having too little of that arousal can also 
be really detrimental to intervention. This might look like a child who is sitting there compliantly, but isn't progressing through therapy because the intervention session might not be regulating enough for them. So one quick intervention strategy that's important to keep in mind is what can happen is you can use your energy levels in order to help the child more effectively regulate things like modeling. So if you're finding that they're over over aroused, over agitated, potentially, you being really calm can help to regulate them. There is an exception to that, which I'll talk about in a second. Similarly, if they're under-regulated, you doing more alerting activities. This might be getting them on their feet, them moving. You might be doing more like physical touch things, like tickling them, playing fun games, getting them to laugh. You're help upregulating their emotions, their arousal, which in turn upregulates their attention. The one exception we want to be really careful of, though, is especially for these kids that are bouncing off the walls that we're not like sit still, sit still, sit still. We might incorporate, and this is one of the things that account talks about, is integrating different sensory modalities. So it might be your child needs to swing on a sensory swing and then is going to engage. So I will share a quick personal example from my private practice, of course, always keeping information completely confidential about the families I'm working with. But I have an eight-year-old I'm working with who has a lot of activity. And this eight-year-old will literally, via telehealth, will be bouncing all around. And what I've realized is I've structured it in two ways. One, if the child is engaging, great. We keep going. We are learning because that activity level actually helps this child to upregulate their attention. That's number one. Number two, I am intentionally structuring it too, where we do a little bit of what we're working on, which is largely anxiety-based. We're working through some anxiety, working on that, but then there's always a reward too of what do you want to show me? And this child gets so excited for that. So yes, I'm using reward, but there's also this intentionality of being able to share that excitement, channel that energy and all of that into something they truly enjoy. So regulation, that's the first part. The second step is engagement. Now, here's the thing. If we get the child regulated, engagement comes so much more seamlessly. But one little quick tip on engagement that I often, I talk with a lot of parents and they're like, yeah, this therapist wants things done in this very strict order and my child is just bored and they're not really paying attention. I can tell and maybe you're not seeing progress. Here's the thing. The more we can follow the child's interests, the more we're actually going to get the engagement. Like I just said about that therapy example of my patient, we're rotating different things and that is increasing engagement because I'm giving them the ability to They love being able to show me like different physical movements, things like that, sometimes video games. I'm getting more engagement that way. So I'm working with the engagement, not against the engagement. So following the child's interest, this also might look like entering an activity they're already doing versus forcing them to transition. Another thing with this is like preferred objects. A lot of times it's like, oh, we don't bring those into therapy. I want you to actually incorporate them. If the child's really interested in that, we can use and leverage those things to increase their engagement. 
So those are some quick little tips, but I want you to be thinking about, especially if you feel like your child isn't making progress, are they regulated during their sessions and are they engaged in their sessions? If not, talking with the therapist you're working with to really change this. So one other quick story about a patient was going to speech therapy. I do in-home sessions with this family and we really follow the child's lead. And the mom kept saying, the child's just not themselves in the session with the speech therapist. And I was like, tell me a little bit about what's happening. And we chatted through this and mom ended up talking with the speech therapist. But also I think the speech therapist eventually realized like, okay, what we're doing isn't working. And so started out with more of these like fun activities, like on a bike and moving around and saw actually that there was better engagement. The child was having a really hard time too transitioning into the room. And so the speech therapist used what the child was engaged with in order to be able to transition. And since that has gotten such better results from the speech therapy session. All right. That's a wrap for this week's mini episode. So two foundational pieces, thinking about reflecting on talking with your child's therapist. If you're not sure what it's like, maybe you're not part of session. First off, there, there's a time and place to sometimes not be part of session, but you should know what's going on just as a quick aside. But what's your child's therapist? What is my child's regulation level like? What's their engagement? What's their attention like? And maybe two, This is where that collaboration works. You're the expert of your child. I guarantee you figured out strategies that work and talking with the therapist about incorporating them, having that overall collaborative approach. All right, that's really a wrap. Bye, y'all. This episode was meant to be short and sweet. Full-length episodes air every Wednesday with many episodes like this sprinkled in between. So subscribe now so you don't miss the next one. And if you want to inspire a future episode, because that's how we roll over here, ask me a question on any of my social media pages for a chance to have your question featured. Bye y'all. And I'll see you soon.